0: Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. And we'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Kerry
1: Martin. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 15 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Friday, August 17th. Coming up on today's podcast, we'll kick it off as usual with a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Then we follow that up with Grassroots Government, where we'll visit with Louisiana's 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham, who sits on the House Agriculture Committee and who has also been named as a conferee for the 2018 Farm Bill Conference Committee. Congressman Abraham will give us an update on what's been happening with that conference committee since the Senate finalized their conferees two weeks ago, and he'll give us a peek into the future as to what he thinks is going to happen with the farm bill this year. We've got just over a month before the farm bill expires in September, so I asked him does he think we'll get it done before the old farm bill expires. We'll hear his opinion on that, as well as trade issues and other things going on in Washington, D.C. We go out in the field to talk to Kyle Dill. Kyle is a farmer in Caddo and Red River parishes, way up there in the northwest corner of the state. They have been dealing with some serious drought this year. Now I know everyone in Louisiana has had problems with dry weather, but if you look at the U.S. Drought Monitor, you'll see that the northwest corner of the state has had it worse than anybody else all summer long. Kyle farms right in the middle of that very dry area, and we'll get an update from him on how things are going with his harvest so far this year, as well as other challenges that he faces up there in northwest Louisiana. Greg Fox and Dave Foster will stop in to talk about the grain and cattle markets. Then we'll wrap it up with a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. That's all coming up on Episode 15 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. And it all starts right
2: now.
0: Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana
1: agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. In Louisiana ag news headlines, we'll talk about the markets. Now, normally we save this for our market segment, but this was such a big market mover, we're moving it up to news headlines. USDA released its latest crop production and supply and demand reports a little over a week ago, back on August 10th. That report caused the soybean market to nosedive over 40 cents in one trading session. Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association says USDA raised the yield estimates for both soybeans and corn, and the market reacted strongly to it.
3: Beans, they put the yield at 51.6, and corn at 178.4. So, you know, that's up quite a bit from the July report. You know, you were 48 on beans and 176 on corn, give or take. So we saw a pretty good jump there. You know, the average guess was about 176 on corn and 50 on beans. So USDA coming in above those numbers, you know, it's just more production than a lot of folks are anticipating. Usage has gone down with China not in the market buying soybeans. And so you just saw, I think, more of a knee jerk reaction to those numbers today down 40 plus cents on beans and you
1: know 12 on corn we'll hear more from greg fox later in the podcast in our market segment usda also released louisiana specific numbers in that crop production report here's how some of the numbers shaped up it showed that corn yield and production is going to be down from last year cotton yield is going to be up but total production down Rice yield and production is both going to be higher than last year. Soybean yields will be down, but production total will be up. And sugarcane yields down, with production down as well. Here's some of the specific numbers. Louisiana corn for grain production forecast at 73.1 million bushels. That's down 19% from last year. Acreage expected to be 420,000 acres. That's down 70,000. For cotton, production is forecast at 390,000 bales. That's down 3%. The total harvested acres expected to be 175,000, down 42,000 from last year. Rice production, as we mentioned, expected to go up. The state forecast 27.9 million hundredweight. That's up 5%. As far as acreage goes, 404,000 acres of rice expected to be harvested. That's up 9,000 from last year. Soybeans, which of course is our biggest row crop in Louisiana. The forecast is 68.5 million bushels. That's up 1%. Total harvested acreage expected to be 1.37 million acres. That is up 120,000 from last year. And finally, sugarcane production, forecast at 14.3 million net tons, down 3%. Acreage harvested for both sugar and seed totaling 462,000 acres. That's up 12,400 acres from 2017. The U.S. cotton industry is dealing with a lot of issues here in 2018. Don Molino has more. I had a chance during the recent Farm Bureau convention in New Orleans
0: to visit with Craig Brown, Vice President of Producer Affairs for the National Cotton Council. He told me the House approved farm bill is good for the cotton industry.
4: Contains our seed cotton provision that carries on from the 18 program. Uh, contains an enhancement for the loan rate calculation that provides a two percent cup on any reduction in the loan rate. It also has some, uh, some positive changes in the definition of actively engaged to be eligible for any farm program. It, it expands the definition of a family member and clarifies uh, that definition, which we think is very positive. Um, it provides an increase in the EEAP program, which is a, a very good program to help textile mills uh, uh, reinvest and make capital investments in their domestic operations. Uh, so it's, it's a very good bill. It's a bill we, we strongly supported, and uh, we're happy to finally get it out of the house.
0: A tariff war has been started between the U.S. and one of the largest buyers of U.S. cotton, China. Brown says that's an issue of concern for his industry.
4: We're on the verge of having opportunities to sell cotton in China. They're getting their reserves down to what they consider a strategic level. Chinese textile mills want to buy U.S. cotton, but... Like every other commodity, it's in the crosshairs of any retaliation. So our stance is that we hope that things can be negotiated out and uh, that we don't end up in a trade war because generally agriculture comes out on the short end of that equation. So we're, we're anxiously watching. We do have a good working relationship with the Chinese textile industry and in, in communication with them. Uh, so we're, we're watching and and, uh, and have some concern. Cotton did make the targeted list for possible along with a lot of other commodities, and so um, we'll have to wait and see.
0: But Brown points out the U.S. sells cotton to other countries besides China.
4: India is a good a good market. Uh, Pakistan, Vietnam is actually a very strong market. We sell cotton into Turkey as well. So any 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 of the other tariff barriers that that are being thrown up uh, where we where we make sales into other countries, there's possible ramifications there as well. So it's not just China, but uh, we we really are on the verge of having some good export opportunities uh, coming up, and uh, we hope this trade thing gets sorted out.
1: I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. Harvest is now underway on all of Louisiana's grain crops. The latest Louisiana crop progress and condition report shows that corn harvest is now 27 percent complete in Louisiana Sorghum harvest getting underway with 14% of the crop now harvested. Rice harvest, well over half done on first crop with 57% of the rice harvested. And soybean harvest finally getting underway, 5% of the bean crop now harvested. Cotton, of course, still waiting to get started, but we do have 29% of the cotton showing open bowls. Now, the report also lists condition ratings for all of the crops. We're not going to go through all of those numbers, but the one that we've been pointing out all summer long has not changed, even though we have seen some fairly decent showers around the state, and that is pasture conditions. We're still looking at 29%, almost one-third of Louisiana's pastures rated poor to very poor. And one last story that was released right before we produced the podcast this week. It has to do with WOTUS. That stands for Waters of the U.S. That's the controversial Obama-era regulation by the EPA that redefined which wetlands and small waterways are covered by the Clean Water Act. So far, WOTUS has been on hold court injunctions and EPA delays have kept it from being implemented. However, a federal judge in South Carolina ruled on Thursday that the EPA did not follow the proper procedures in delaying WOTUS for two years. So that ruling puts WOTUS into effect in 26 states across the country, including right here in Louisiana. So as far as WOTUS is concerned in our state, it is the law of the land right now. We'll have more on this story next week. That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up next, it's grassroots government. We'll check in with Congressman Ralph Abraham next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
5: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation. So while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests. So join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
1: On Grassroots Government this week, we visit with Congressman Ralph Abraham from Louisiana's 5th District. Congressman, how are you doing today?
6: Hey, we're doing great. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet. I know that you are back in the district on August recess. I know you're, you're on break, so there's just really nothing for you to do, right? You're just kind of hanging around the house.
6: <laughs> well, I tell you, we're busier, of course, when we're back in district, but I will, uh, you know, take that choice uh, every day because in most nights I get to sleep in my own bed. So, uh, look, I love being back in district, just uh, going around meeting the folks that, uh, you know, I know and love. So it's been a good, uh, it's been a good break so far.
1: Congressman, the last time you and I talked was a few weeks ago. And I believe the day after we talked, you were named to the 2018 Farm Bill Conference Committee Congratulations on that. That is a very big deal for Louisiana agriculture to have you on that conference committee to advocate for us.
6: Well, look, thank you so much. And and you're right, it is a big deal. The Senate and the House version certainly have some differences that I want to iron out, uh, you know, we on the House side, have work requirements that uh, for some of those SNAP recipients that either need to work or, or get trained, and I'm good with either of that. I just want them out there uh, contributing to society as far as uh, you know, making some money, paying back into the system, that 18 to 59-year-old man or woman that has no disability, that is not raising young children. Uh, you know, Let's help them find that own ramp to success, and I'm all for that. That's not in the Senate bill. The other thing that I want to fight for is the adjusted Gross income on the farm. It's uh, on the Senate side. It's only seven hundred thousand. It's nine hundred thousand on the House side. I want to fight for that seven, that nine hundred thousand dollar cap, and even higher if we can get it. The other thing is, we have to make sure that we maintain the family farm, as we all know. That's listening to this podcast. If you have a principal die in a farm uh, situation or a farm corporation, all of a sudden the government wants to come in and take your farm with an estate tax, some some type of, you know, government uh, hand in there. I don't want that. We need to protect these family farms. They are the heart and the soul of America. And if we, again, allow government to uh, continue to uh, peck away at these family farms, we're not going to have any. So, look, as a compree, I hope, uh, you know, I go in there with uh, some soft gloves on, but if we have to put some hard gloves on to get things done, we'll do that too.
1: I know two weeks ago the Senate named their conferees, so we have the full committee in place. Has anything happened since uh, the Senate named their conferees to get this process moving?
6: It has. Our staffs are working out some of the more of the legal details. Now, once we, on the House and the Senate side, the conferees get around the table and start uh, trading cards, that type of deal, you know, trying to leverage what we want, then uh, that thing gets done very quickly. So I anticipate that uh, hopefully the farm bill will be signed by the president, as he has said he wants to do, in the next, uh, probably within a month. So I'm looking forward to that happening, getting this thing behind us, looking forward for the next five years for this farm bill to be in place and to protect our farmers, give them that little bit of the safety net they need. And look, our farmers are... The national security, they're our food security. They are, again, the heart and soul of America. So we, we need to take care of them.
1: The current farm bill expires on September 20th. So that only gives us a month to get all of this ironed out. You sound optimistic, like you think we can get it done instead of having to extend the current bill.
6: Yeah, I I think we can. And if we have to extend the current bill, which I don't, hopefully we won't, but it will only be for a week or two or three. So I think we're in a good spot. Uh, So I'm looking forward to getting this thing done and
1: behind us. Let's switch gears and talk about trade issues. I know that Louisiana farmers, farmers all over the country have felt the impact of the tariffs that have been going back and forth between us and China us and other countries working on NAFTA, all of those trade issues that are going on right now. Farmers are feeling the impact of that in their pocketbooks. But at the same time, I've interviewed farmers who have said, yeah, it hurts, but we've really been getting the short end of the stick and something needs to be done. What's your take on that? I say,
6: boy, aren't our farmers the, the great patriots of the world? You're right. Uh, they are taking it on the chin. But at the same time, they are looking at the long game, too. They know that there's a lot of uh, disparity, a lot of unfair trade between us and the European Union, us and China. And as you saw about three weeks ago, after the president and his administration had pushed back on the European trade disparities, the EU came back and said, "Okay, we're going to buy some more American soybeans. And so that's a good thing. And that that discussion is continuing We're making a lot of progress, I think, over in the EU. On the China, what they've done, they have now messaged to the WTO, the World Trade Organization, that, hey, they're willing to discuss things. And again, the movement is in the right direction. We don't want this thing to go on any longer than anybody else, but we've got to win this trade war because as the farmers and the ranchers and the foresters know, For the long term, it it is going to be a matter of survival, and we've got to win this game.
1: Congressman Ralph Abraham, Louisiana's 5th District, thank you so much for your time, Congressman.
6: Thank you, guys. You all have a wonderful day.
1: Coming up next, we go in the field to talk with Kyle Dill. Kyle farms up in northwest Louisiana in Caddo and Red River Parishes. He'll give us an update on what's happening on his farm in the field. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
5: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. I grew up in Louisiana farm country and I know all the hard work and sacrifice that you put into raising livestock, growing a crop, raising a family and running a farm. Farm Bureau puts that same hard work and sacrifice into making life better for you and your family, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
1: We go in the field this week to talk to Kyle Dill. Kyle is owner of Crooked Bayou Planting Company, headquartered in Shreveport, Louisiana. Now, first, before we get started with this segment, I want to thank Carl Wiggers. Carl actually made the trip up to Shreveport and did this interview with Kyle Dill. We're going to pull excerpts out of the interview for this particular segment. The first thing that Kyle talked about was his background. Kyle had a fairly interesting background. He grew up on a farm in Red River Parish, a very rural area. However, he ended up going to school in the middle of Shreveport. So he had a farm life growing up, but he was exposed to all of the things in the city going to school right in the middle of Shreveport. He says that gave him some interesting perspective
2: growing up. So my dad, you know, had about 2,000 acres and was raising about 400 head of mama cows. And so I spent every day, you know, riding around with him. And we started custom grazing 2,700 head on top of what we had uh, of our own cow cap operation. And, you know, you wake up in the morning riding the pickup truck all day and, and don't come home till after dark. And you, you learn a lot of things, but it just kind of, kind of wore me out as a kid. I was ready to do, you know, stuff all of my friends were doing. and. I ended up going to private school in Miller Shreveport and I got, you know, exposed to city life for a long time but still got to live in the country. And that time in the country taught him some very valuable lessons. I remember one fall I was as a kid a big football fan. I remember it was a big game. I think Florida State was playing Florida and it was a you know national title ramification. So I was been waiting all week to watch that football game and it was about 10.30 that morning. I was sitting on the couch. My dad said, get up. You know, we got, a, we got a calf. We need to go pull. And, you know, I probably threw a huge fit and cried. Didn't want to stop my foot. Didn't want to go. But I remember we got out to where the cow was, and it was pouring down rain. She was on the side of a lake bed. Just, you know, worst possible place to have a calf. And we sat out there for three or four hours and never made any progress. Had to get the vet out there. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, we saved the cow and the calf. And, you know, it just kind of dawned on me that those are important things in life, you know. My dad had to take care of those animals, you know, regardless of what he wanted to do that day. Those were his responsibility, and I, I, one thing I've learned from him is that you know, you don't do this thing just for fun. It's uh, everything that you do. so You got to take responsibility and take care of not only the animals, your crops, but take care of the people that work for you, take care of your family, take care of the all the salesmen, the the crop dusters, the you know the truck drivers, everybody that helps you, you know you need to return the favor at, at any given time.
1: And now that Kyle is farming on his own,
2: he uses those lessons in his operation today. You know, my dad, he gave me a lot of responsibilities at a young age. I remember, you know, probably the first job I had was moving rolled hay out of the field. You know, he was probably running a hay baler, and and uh, my job was picking up, putting in the barn, and that kind of progressed into you know, run a hay rake, run a grain cart, run the combine. And then, you know, by the time I was in high school, I was able to do, you know, anything on the farm that I needed to do. And it kind of gave me a lot of confidence in, not only those jobs, but other things in life, you know, go open a bank account by yourself, go, you know, just give you independence on this is, you can do anything you want to do. Um, And I think when we run into challenges, you kind of have to see that through as well because this year we're having a horrible corn crop but last year was our best corn crop we've ever had and you just kind of have to look at the balance of it um you can't can't win the championship every year you gotta you know it's okay to finish second place and we do everything from from the fall when we start planning for the next year you know our budgets we start looking for profits wherever we can find them if we can lock in a profit in the market we try to don't get greedy we just try to make sure we can go to the next year you know we got to have that much backbone. I, my dad was very conservative um, when he farmed I don't think he ever really shot for the moon you know when he was trying to never was trying to make a record yield never was trying to you know brag about how much money he's made his job was to keep his family fed and have enough to make the bank happy so he can go another year and you know after a while if you're very conservative when times do get good you have a lot saved in the bank and you can really reap what you sow. Kyle mentioned that he grows corn. He also grows soybeans.
1: However, he does not grow cotton. He'll give us a rundown here on his farm and a very specific story as to why the Dill family has stayed away from cotton for many, many years.
2: Yes, we farm 2,000 acres, uh, 1,500 acres of corn, 500 acres of soybeans. Uh, My dad has his own cattle company and he uh, has about 200 head of mama cows with charlotte bulls. Dad started farming in 1973. I think he had every intention of just fooling the cows and uh, went to the bank and he had bought a piece of land to join my grandfather's property that we still have. And um, the bank kind of told him, so, "Hey, soybean prices are really high and cattle prices are really low. You need to grow some soybeans. I would probably grow some cotton too. So that's what he did. Everybody who knows my dad knows he doesn't like cotton, and the reason why is in 1973, I believe, he had his first cotton crop. Didn't have a cotton picker, wait till all his neighbors got through picking they were gonna help him pick. I think they started like in middle of October and in first part of November. And it uh, started raining and didn't quit raining until January and it didn't finish picking until February of the following year. And uh, cotton had fallen about 30 cents during that time period, the grade fell, by about 80 percent, and uh, by the time it was said and done, he started with a full set of hair and ended up bald at the end. And he said he was never getting planted cotton. Until this day, there's not been a bit of cotton planted on our farm. Now,
1: as Cal mentioned, he had his best corn crop ever last year. That has turned into one of the worst corn crops ever this year, and he says it's all because of weather.
2: We started off with a really, really wet spring. Um, we were sitting on the turn row every day, just trying to like, you know. Is it dry enough? Is it dry enough? Is it dry enough? we finally started planting, it was dry enough for the tractor to go across, but probably not ideal conditions to plant into. Uh, we, we got okay stands, but the corn was just struggling to really get going. Soils were very cool. Um, we had a lot of crusting, and underneath it was still soaking wet. You know, it was just awful conditions to get started. Um, in April, we got a few rains at the beginning of the month and then by the middle of the month to end of June, it was just, I mean, no rain hardly. Um, we went back and looked at some of our fields we've already cut and for the time, uh, during the reproductive stage, they only had an inch of rain, the entire reproductive stage. So, you know, we were expecting low, low yields, but they ended up being lower than we thought. Weather is always an issue for farmers, and those in
1: northwest Louisiana, like Kyle Dill, are no exception. They have faced floods as well as severe drought over the last three years, and it has presented a lot of challenges. However, there's another big challenge that farmers in that part of the state constantly face that most people don't think about, and that is freight.
2: Yeah, next to seed, I mean, freight is probably our largest cost. most people don't know that Northwest Louisiana has no grain elevators. Our nearest elevator is in Jonesville, Louisiana, which is about 120 miles, give or take. Um, so we have a good corn market though we have a poultry industry pretty much 40 or 50 miles in every direction. Uh, so there's, you know, our corn goes to those directly to those mills. Uh, however, there's a lot of soybeans and occasionally weed and milo grown in this area and, you know, a lot of our beans end up going, you know, to Baton Rouge or to Zeno because they pay more at a final, you know, going on a ship there than they do, say, if we went east to, say, Tallulah, you know, the river that way, and the base is a lot lower. So, freight is the most complicated thing during harvest for us. We can't just say, hey, Joe, go drive a truck and uh, keep up with the combine all day. It's, hey, Joe, Larry, Pete, you know, John, it's it's a team of people that have, and those guys work 24 hours a day, it seems like, to me, to keep up with us. Um, you know, there's no, no problem for them to drive, you know, 500, 600 miles in a day, uh, just to deliver our grain. And then they do it the next day, the next day, the next day. And they don't ever get to go home in the process because they are constantly on the road. Just for example, our corn harvest, it, on a normal year, it would take seven trucks behind one combine. And we would try to get those trucks three loads piece a day. So and that's just everything going right. We had to space them out where they're, you know, they're they're all here in the morning when we get started and we just slowly file them out. And that, you know, it's 60 miles to the mill in Texas that they go to and 60 miles back. And, uh, you know, there's three or four railroad crossings in between that they had to go across that they could hold them up for 10 or 15 minutes. And, you know, it's frustrating during corn harvest staying all day, trying to manage seven trucks. And soybean harvest, we load trucks up in the morning or you know, during, throughout the day, those drivers go to south Louisiana and usually can't get on loads until the following morning. They have to sleep in their trucks, come back all the way up here. By the time they get back up here, we have a load for them, and they go turn and go back south again. And it's like that for a month or two at a time. In the field this week with Kyle Dill, owner of Crooked Bayou Planting
1: Company in Shreveport, Louisiana. Up next, it's time to look at the markets. Greg Fox and Dave Foster stop by with their insight on the grain and cattle markets. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
5: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau
1: Marketing Association
0: on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
1: To talk about the grain markets, we visit with Greg Fox, grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, let's start with the soybean market. It had quite a roller coaster ride here at the end of the week, sharply higher on Thursday, and then we ended up lower on Friday. What was behind all that volatility this week?
3: Well, Thursday, you know, a lot of the talk was the Chinese government was going to send a delegation to discuss the trade issues with us, and talking about it at the end of the month, so. Anytime we see rumors of trade talks going in somewhat of a positive direction, that's going to have that type of reaction on our markets. We'll see that that upshoot, those gains in the market. Um, Again, a lot of folks believe that once we get something straightened out with China, that we're going to see rallies back in this market. So, you know, many times you hear rumors that it's it's positive, then you're going to see those kind of reactions. I think today's uh, Drawback, a little bit of profit taken, um, and then folks realizing that the talks are going to happen at the end of the month, not necessarily tomorrow. So, I think once some of the excitement settled down, that
1: we took a little backseat to it, and then you know a little bit of profit taken. What kind of role has Midwest crop condition played in both this soybean and corn markets over the last week?
3: It's had its ups and downs you know when the talk was it's a little dry and it's heating up temperatures are heating up then you see the market start to creep up a little bit because that could be you know negative to crop production and as those forecasts change the market follows them so going into august the trade felt like that the weather was going to be hot and dry in a lot of the major growing areas and of course that's changed quite a bit here and there so the weather's a little more positive for crop growing conditions. So far, that's making it negative because it looks like we're going to see those big yields that USDA was projecting for us.
1: Greg, let's talk about the wheat market real quick. If you look at new crop wheat, we topped $6 on Friday to end the week, 6 and a half. Uh, fairly positive developments in the wheat market over the last several weeks. Do you think that's going to be enough to maybe draw some wheat acreage back into Louisiana, uh, a crop that we practically disappeared over the last few years?
3: Yeah, if farmers can get some stuff hedged at six or above six or flat-priced six or higher, I think so. You know, there's those pocket of guys out there that are going to grow it every year no matter what. Uh, we have had some guys jump in and and try to get some stuff done so that they can grow some this coming season. So I think it'll make a comeback if we can keep those numbers there. Of course, the problem, the biggest problem we've had in the last couple of years is the quality wasn't there, and it was a hard, it was a hard sell to get it unloaded somewhere. Um, we saw really good quality quality this past harvest. Um, some elevators said that they'll go back to taking wheat. So that's been positive news for the wheat market. But unfortunately for the wheat, we see big swings in it because we react to the markets globally on wheat. You know, if Australia is having some issues with they've had some dry spells, it hurts their wheat crop, we see the market rally. If Russia or the Ukraine, some of those areas have some issues with their wheat crop, then we can tend to see the wheat rally. So, but I mean, we saw wheat up eight on new crop today row crop was up 18, we could come in Monday and see it down 20, Uh, just a blink of an eye for no particular reason. Wheat has just kind of been all over the place. But yeah, I I do think we can see it bounce back if guys are able to get some of this stuff locked in at the $6 range.
1: Well, just about every row crop, every grain crop out there in Louisiana is underway with harvest right now. What's the reports you're hearing from out in the field?
3: So far, solid. Corn has probably dropped off more than uh, what some folks were hoping for, you know, we're probably in the 140s, um, maybe a little bit lower. You know, some guys said they were, you know, cutting some uh, 150 fields that were probably 190, 200 bushel fields in years past. So it's taking a backseat for sure. Aflatoxin has been an issue, but not a problem. You know, it's it typical what you see every year. You're going to see a few loads here, there with some aflatoxin. Um, but it hasn't been a problem. So that's good. Uh, Beans have been pretty steady. Uh, I was hearing some good yields on beans. You know, some guys are in that 60 range, just depending on where they fell as far as for rain. Uh, Quality has been good. We hadn't seen any issues with quality. A little bit high moisture in some areas It caused the elevators to reject a few loads with high moisture, but they were able to find homes for them. So overall, it's it's steady um, quality-wise, but I I think yields are going to be down slightly on just about on everything.
1: Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks a lot, Greg. Yes, sir. Thank y'all. And now we move over to the cattle markets to talk with our regular market analyst, Dave Foster. He is CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. You doing all right today, Dave?
7: Doing fine, Kerry. Thank you.
1: Dave, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks in looking at our Louisiana Livestock Auction Reports, that the number of cattle, the runs there, are really starting to pick up, just like you and I have been talking about all summer long. We're now in the middle of August. The runs are picking up, and I've watched prices as well. Prices have held fairly strong, but I noticed this week they've pulled back a little bit. So what's your take on the numbers you're seeing coming out of these Louisiana auction barns this week?
7: Kerry, you're exactly right. That's, that has, has certainly happened, and this week especially, uh, we had a, a a real big uptick in in the um, in the numbers of cattle moving through our louisiana auctions this week and and part of that um is is just the timing if you will of uh, usually about mid mid august is when our runs start well as you and i again have talked um, they've started a little bit early but again this week they the numbers have really increased um the prices this week were a little bit lower on our feeder cattle somewhere two to four lower probably uh, slaughter cows however were were a couple of bucks higher, one to two dollars higher which is uh, which is certainly encouraging uh, but there again, the other thing that we always have to keep in mind this time of year is now with our full blown runs here uh, what we're having the 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 bulk of the supply of uh, calves on the market are are these balling calves and fat kind of calves and that sort of stuff. So, so they're discounted a little bit just because they are that. And then the other thing is we're just a little bit early uh, for uh, the wheat pasture deal. But yes, you know the backgrounders are are, are out trying to get secure some inventory. So. I, I'm I'm really pretty positive though about what's fixing to happen. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, all through Oklahoma, they've been getting some rains, uh, which is really good for us and uh, where our a lot of our cattle go to these um, wheat pasture deals. And in the Panhandle of Texas, they've they've really had uh, a lot of r- rains on a regular basis, and so they're talking about. Uh, Uh, the wheat, you know, again, uh, they they can start planting wheat pretty quick and get that in the ground, and we're hoping uh, that when that happens, uh, not like it did last year where, boy, they got the wheat up quick and everything was running good, and then all of a sudden uh, the good Lord turned the water off, and uh, they never got rain since then for about almost a year. So uh, I'm just thinking that, there again, people need our people here they need to be a cognizant of the fact that the cattle runs are moving, uh, prices are, like we said, a little bit lower this week. So they've got some situations they can do if they if, if they don't have to market them right early yet, they maybe can wait a couple of weeks or so and kind of look at that market. But the most important thing is they need to be contacting their marketing agent, whoever that may be, uh, to, to see what kind of what they need to do or what they think. But the other thing to always keep in mind, and, and I tell this uh, Terry to a lot of the people, uh, certainly our members, but certainly other people that call and want to know kind of what the market's doing. I, I, I tell them, you most of you folks are just selling cattle once a year. So therefore when you think about price, look at what you got last year at this time, and and then compare the prices. And if you're if the market is higher than it was the last time you marketed cattle, then then you know if you have to sell them, don't get caught up with what everybody else is doing. If you're making a profit, put it in the bank and move forward and and just take care of business. And and that's kind of what uh, what I've been what, what telling our folks lately.
1: Dave Foster, he's CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Great advice, Dave. Appreciate it a lot. Thank you.
7: Oh, you're welcome.
1: So what is going on in Louisiana agriculture over the coming week? Well, we'll take a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. That's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
5: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar.
1: We have several events to talk about on the Louisiana Ag Calendar this week. We'll start with Tuesday, August 21st. Campy Field of Dreams is hosting an event in Shreveport. It's a farm planning workshop. USDA Strike Force will be there. Representatives from the Natural Resources Conservation Service, The Farm Service Agency and USDA Rural Development will provide information on their programs. It's at the Shreve Memorial, Cedar Grove, Line Branch Avenue Library in Shreveport, Tuesday, August 21st at 10 a.m. It is free and open to the public. Then coming up on Thursday, August 23rd in Farmerville, they're hosting a pollinator workshop there, the benefits of pollinators to pastures. This will be held again thursday the 23rd 4:30 to 6:30 in the evening at the union parish lsu ag center extension office the purpose of the workshop is to discuss the benefits of pollinators to pastures in both soil health improvement as well as nutritional benefit to grazing stock one added benefit to this workshop they're going to talk about some new technology coming on the market that allows for biological control of armyworms Army worms have been a big problem in a lot of areas of Louisiana this year, so it definitely may be worth your time to make this workshop just to check that out. Again, Thursday, 4.30 to 6 p.m., Union Parish Ag Center Extension Office in Farmerville. You can register for this workshop at the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Institute website. It's louisianaglci.org. Again, louisianaglci.org. Well, that does it for Episode 15 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I really appreciate you listening. We'll see you back here next week, but in the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter, at Voice of LA Ag. We try to keep those accounts updated each day with the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. So keep in touch with us there during the week, and tune in again right here next week for another edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.